BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasaba, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news newspaper since 1971. Bonus time on the Ben Jarowski Show. As I speak, it's Wednesday, December 21st, 2022. But you're hearing this on Christmas Day. Christmas Day, jingle bells and all that stuff. Here's the headline. What's going on on Wednesday, Wednesday December 21st, 2022? IRS allowed Trump to avoid tax audit for two years in office. Man, we've been talking about Trump and his taxes all day, all week, all year. But I'm not going to talk about it today. It's Christmas Day. I don't want to talk about Trump and his taxes, how he dodged and ducked the tax bill. How because he didn't pay his taxes, you paid more in taxes. How in the city of Chicago, he got a tax break that cut the taxes on the Trump Tower. And so everybody else, including my distinguished guests, had to pay more in property taxes. But you know what? It's Christmas Day. I got to stop talking about politics. I got to unplug for once in my life. I'm going to unplug the politics. (laughs) That's the sound of me unplugging the politics. Hard, too. I'm feeling withdrawals. I want to talk about Trump's taxes. No, Ben. Focus. It's Christmas. We're going to do some Christmas thing. No Trump Trump tax. Please. No. Not going to do Trump and his taxes. <laughs> As I speak, the New York Times is like picking apart bit by bit Trump's taxes. They, they must have like 20 reporters like going through every little element of the track. And every reporter's got like his expert that he's turning to. I could just see. I know how reporters work because I've been a reporter my whole freaking life. They all have like their, like their friends who are an accountants and they're calling their friends up. Is this? How do you do this? What? Sort of like me with uh, DJ Nate trying to figure out how. A computer works. All right. Without further ado, I'm going to ask my distinguished guests, my Christmas Day guests, to introduce themselves. We have a very special Christmas Day show, something we've never done before on the Ben Jarofsky Show, and I'm really happy to do this. This idea came to me in a moment of inspiration when I was walking down the street one day, uh, and my distinguished guests um, decided to go along with it. So I am going to ask, I have two distinguished guests today. I'm going to ask distinguished guests whose first initial is M to introduce himself. Take it away, distinguished guest. Hey, Ben. Great to be here. This is Mike Alamana, jazz guitarist, 
I'm also a, a, a PhD in ethnomusicology, and I'm the director of the jazz ensembles at University of Chicago. And um, I play guitar around Chicago and love to be on your show periodically during every, during the year. It's fun. <laughs> it is fun. And uh, I urge everybody, when they're done listening to this show, go check out some of the other interviews I've done with Mike. Uh, the, a classic interview uh, with Chico Freeman, which is one of my favorites. Uh, where I sang. <laughs> yeah. And then the last the last one we did uh, was a preview of the Jazz Festival, yeah. uh, which stands on its own because we talk a lot about the artists uh, who were at the Jazz Festival. All right, without further ado, our other distinguished guest, whose first initial is G, please introduce yourself. <laughs> All right. My name is Gabby Alamana. Um, I'm also a jazz vocalist. Um based in Chicago, I guess, but I, I go, I currently go to Oberlin Conservatory for a jazz voice and there I'm involved in a lot of stuff. Uh, I'm, I founded the Oberlin Crimson Collective, which is a group for women and non-binary people in jazz. And I'm also on the Oberlin Jazz Society and a bunch of other stuff. And, um, yeah, I'm a second year there and I'm also a Whitney Young alum, if that means anything to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> sure does. Proud graduate of Whitney Young High School. Yeah. A dolphin. A dolphin. Okay. A yeah, dolphin. Uh, <laughs> and uh, also the daughter of Mike Alamana. And, That's uh, right. That's important yeah. information. Yeah. Hence the names. Uh, yeah. Not that common a name. In fact, I, I think I know every Alamana uh, in the, the Chicago area. At least yeah. I think I do. Yeah. yeah. Pretty um, much. We get my brothers and my parents. But <laughs> So, uh, actually one time, uh, Mike, you played, I, this is not literally the first time you played on uh, my humble little show. Uh, you and the great George Freeman, uh, came in when I was on the radio station and, uh, I'll never forget it with your, you plugged your, uh, guitars into mini amps. Yep. Uh, that was <laughs> freaking awesome. Uh, so I thought you come on with Gabby, uh, and, uh, sing some songs and I let, uh, you select the songs, uh, and uh, so why don't you? Uh, I know which four you've sort of chosen to uh, share today, but why don't you uh, you you run it? Um, which which song do you want to go with first? I think we'll we'll just start with our uh, little uh, holiday selections. Um, we're just going to go ahead and play them because I think everybody knows them, and uh, uh, have a good time with this one. <laughs> Chris. 
play christmas songs just on your own in your house for absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's kind of a tradition idea. for us yeah it's yeah talk about it gabby we'll hear from you first gabby like uh like how old were you when you realized that your dad was like pretty good guitar player uh <laughs> and that was yeah, fun to that sing with him. <laughs> <laughs> um i Honestly, it was when I was like around five years old, I feel like I was like, well, I just have a free karaoke machine in the house and I love to do this. So I just, I was doing it all the time. It was from like Brazilian songs that we would sing while my mom was in Brazil, like away. Mm -hmm. And we would like send her little 
things. I remember specifically singing, oh, this isn't a Brazilian song, but we sang Feliz Navidad, like, and filmed right. it on Skype and sent it to mm -hmm. her at home. And right. I, I vividly, that was, like, my first memory of, like, really jamming with my dad. And then there's, like, countless YouTube videos of it just happening. Um, mm -hmm. And, yeah, it just became my thing. And I noticed at school no one else had a free karaoke machine at home. So I was, I, I, I took a lot of pride in it, I feel like, from day one. Yeah. Um, uh, now I, I'm gonna make a confession here. Okay. Uh, and we'll stick with Gabby and then we'll switch to Mike. Well, the first part of the question will go to Gabby. Uh, but first I'm going to start with a co confession, Gabby. Uh, I am uh two part confession. One, I have no musical talent at all. I can't sing. I can't play an instrument. I love music. Okay. But I have no, so I'm the person always in the audience. So I did not push my kids toward music. However, however, I mean, obsessive basketball fanatic and from the moment my little girls were little little girls i was encouraging let's put it that way them to play basketball when they showed an interest in it uh, i i really went whole hard and just i was totally into basketball for my girls uh was your dad that way with music with you or was he kind of lay back and just let you do your thing uh i i feel like music itself was definitely pushed onto me but I never was like rejecting it at all I was like I, I I'll, I'll take it like I remember the first I guess real music I apparently I was singing since I was like two like since all the time <laughs> listen um, when she started speaking she was singing yeah, yeah. we have recordings of it <laughs> um but yeah I remember like want, seeing our piano in the house and being like I want to do that I want to learn how to play press those buttons and he taught me Mary had a little lamb and I was just like just practicing that all the time and then I was just put into lessons right from there I don't know music has just been a part of my life since I was born and I just never questioned its presence there um but when it came to like going to college and stuff I was like confused as to what I really wanted to do it was like do I want to keep doing music and I think the push for music was always there and still is and um i'm very glad i made the decision to go to music school too so yeah do you, do you play an instrument as well as sing I do. I play guitar and piano. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, Mike, Mike, from your vantage point, were you a pushy dad? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I always, I always, I felt as a music teacher, I was like, if, if, if you, if you try to push it, you can get rejection. It doesn't matter if it's your, I mean, it's a different dynamic when it's your child, but um, any, any, any student, you know, I was teaching at Old Town School. I never pushed. I just, I, I in the sense of like, you need to do this, but if they showed interest, I would say, you should do this if you want to do better. And so like, I, I knew the one thing that I knew was at four or five years old, and this goes to any parents that are out there, get your kid on piano. <laughs> That's like the first thing you have to do. Get your kid on piano at four or five years old, because that right there will get them that grounding in the sound and the rhythm and the feel of the piano and the conceptual part. Then they, they can, and they can, and the reading part, reading music, then they can play any instrument after that. Yeah. You know, that was always my theory because that was my first in instrument was piano. So I said, that's what I'm going to do. So I was teaching at Old Town. So Gabby would get at that time, they would give us free lessons. Uh, um, we could, our kids could get free lessons. So she would take the uh, group piano classes. And then we found a teacher in the neighborhood. But the thing was, Gabby just kind of did it. She sang on her. She always sang. She loved to sing songs. She would just sing along with everything. So when we would go to Brazil, we would get these lullaby cds of brazilian folk tunes and when gabby was two or three she had to listen to them to sleep and she could <laughs> sing them all 
you know? And then she could sing things like, you know, uh, take me out to the ball game and those sorts of things. You know, she would just like pick that up. So she would love to sing that when we go to the, go to the Sox games. And then, uh, um, so it was always there, but the thing that she would get is I'd be, let's say I'd be in the kitchen cooking and she'd be practicing piano and she'd play a wrong note. I can tell what note she played in error. And I would say, Hey, Gabby, that's a C, not a D and she'd be like, Oh, okay. And she learned that that like having ears and, and conception was just normal, even though that's, it's, you know, that's a training you have to have, but I didn't want it to seem that way. I wanted to seem that as, as normal. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, was uh, what were you going to say, Gabby? I cut you off. Go ahead. No, I was saying, and all that's all that stuff really helps with those college level music theory courses because I don't think I'd be getting an A in those classes without it. Yeah, she's like kicking everybody's butt in those classes because we used to do all that stuff in the house. All the time. Uh, I, I'm just gonna. I was not there at the Alamana House uh, when these conversations took place, but I have a hard time believing that she just said, "Oh, okay," when uh, told that's the wrong chord. If any, like any kid I've ever seen, Dad, leave me alone. Right. <laughs> there was a little of that i didn't want to bring it up <laughs> but she'd and, still make uh, the adjustment and it would be all right fine. so before, before we get to the next song mike did you ever have that moment uh where you're listening uh to gabby sing and you think damn this girl's got talent did you ever have that oh like, yeah yeah that's happened all the time it was always gabby was always a kind of a little ahead of the game and, and not necessarily you know, I'm not talking about theory and skill wise. There was some sort of like emotional part. Like at, when she was in the Chicago Children's Choir, her when she was in the neighborhood choir over at Albany Park, everyone noticed her emotion and her 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 way of being. And she got into the Voice of Chicago, the top ensemble, like when she was 11, and was already up there. And she she they 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 saw this talent in her that I knew was there, but I wasn't sure. And then once we got to see her exceed you know, get to Whitney Young and she would do, she was, she would sing in the guitar show. She'd sing in the, in the voice of Chicago, um, concerts at Millennium Park. She'd sing it. She sang in the musical there. We were like, she can do all this stuff. And I was definitely like, oh yeah, she's got it. You know, now it's her choice if she wants to pursue it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Her choice. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's do another song and there, uh, you guys tell me the, the next song that you want to do and then sing away. Okay, we're gonna do uh gonna dedicate this to Christy Christine McVeigh who um recently passed from Fleetwood Mac. Uh, this is a song that she wrote called uh, Songbird.
Talk about some of the uh, artists that you loved growing up. Uh, not just the, the you know the the standards, uh, but the, the the contemporary ones as well. They really influenced you coming up. Yeah, I mean, from day one, there were definitely Ella and Sarah CDs in my CD player a lot. I remember my dad would always give those to me as gifts. But um, in terms of like contemporary singers, I there's a lot of Brazilian influence to be honest. Marisa Monchi was like my favorite singer growing up. Um, uh, she's like a Brazilian kind of pop artist, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she, I, I still listen to her today. She's like my like comfort artist when I'm feeling like I miss home at college. Um, and I, I'm gonna be frank. I had a pretty large musical theater influence too, um, and yeah. Sarah Bareilles was like She's when great. I was growing up, was my favorite singer songwriter. Oh man! And she you. wrote this whole musical too called Waitress that was like the like pretty much sums up my high school experiences. My friends and I would listen to it like from front to back, like <laughs> once a week. It was really bad as during COVID, but um, yeah. that was a big influence of mine um yeah and like 
nowadays, like Nancy Wilson, I feel like she's also considered like a, and Dinah Washington, they're also considered like contemporary artists as well as jazz artists. And so like, they are also big influences for like my pop singing, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, was it, uh, ever a moment where you like were intimidated by these great voices or did you aspire to be like them? You know, that, that's kind of like, I've, like I said, I've not, uh, a musician and never even came close to being one. Um, but there are some writers out there. I'm like, oh man, I'm, I'm, <laughs> Why do I even try? I'll never be as good as this person. And yet onward I try. Or have you always used uh, the great singers as a uh, inspiration for you? No, there's definitely a, like comparison uh, to other artists is like a huge thing. Like I, I've experienced that very often. I still experience it to this day. And honestly, like I forgot to mention, like, my biggest influence as well at the time were, like, my peers who I was in the choir with. You know, there were other great singers that I was like, I'm never going to get to their point. Like, there's no way I'm going to be able to get as much recognition as they're getting or be able to belt that high or be able to have that sort of a certain performance. And then, like, by the end of high school, I find myself, like, being in the same space as they were their senior year of high school. So it's like that it that whole process in itself was my motivation I feel like I definitely was very there were points where I was very unmotivated to like I was like I'm never gonna be like this certain singer or anything and like the obviously like the greats are completely out of reach so I'm like it's done I'm just gonna I didn't even think music was gonna be like my pathway until like the very last minute of high school and I was like okay I guess I can do it and like yeah so like I still struggle with that mentality today just like comparing myself to others and be, and putting myself down but that's like it's like uh it's like my krypton i can't i can't do that <laughs> it's like it's like i I've, I've it's a really hard thing to train yourself out of but it's a work in progress and i've definitely gotten better and how far along i've come has been my motivation to keep going so yeah, yeah I, i'm with you it's something you have to work out of and you shouldn't definitely should not let it uh tie you down uh mike you and i have actually talked about this from the guitar standpoint um comparing yourself to some of the great jazz guitarists uh all the time uh, of all time and how intimidating uh that can be um but you, you had a hell of a year mike and um it was, uh, a, good year. It was a good year and I, i'm thinking back to 2022 reflecting on um some of the my the musical highlights uh, one of them was watching you uh, at the jazz festival at Millennium Park. It was a great moment. Uh, you just had that. Um, it. I just felt so proud of you and to know oh, you and see you at there. Uh, it was. It was a really compelling moment. Um, what are some of the highlights for you from 2022 when you think back, not just in your career but also in music? Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. As, I mean, there was. Um, you know, certainly one of the highlights is getting things going again. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, I was just saying to Gabrielle, remember Omicron was in a year ago. <laughs> it was back in the early part of 2022, you know, and, and in the middle of that, I was recording uh, Paul Marinaro's new record that came out in October, you know, where, and I, I had written 14 arrangements for him with strings and horns and had spent years building it up, but I had had to, I had to write like seven or eight in like a month 
while in the middle of like doing my own responsibilities of teaching at University of Chicago and all that and gigs. And so, um, you know, uh, uh, that the fact that after get coming out of that and um, finally getting things ro- rolling again in 22 was was really nice. You know, certainly getting George Freeman back to the Green Mill with Bernard Purdy. That was that was a super highlight. That weekend was amazing. But Bernard is paying, playing at, at a just keeping a high level going. So that was that was a treat for me. Um, but, you know, finishing up Paul's album was really a really uh, a really like meaningful project for me. Um, he's a great singer who I think is going to career is going to take off in the next couple of years. And uh, um, we really put together a special what I think is a special album. And then getting Vinology finally out. I mean, that, that was supposed to come out in 2020. <laughs> and but with 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 the pandemic and, and not being able to record, I actually did some adjustments to it. So I was able to do some more creative work and finally getting it out, you know, because that was a result not only of my my art, artistry, but it was also a result of my research at the University of Chicago. So getting that out was really finally was really meaningful. And a lot of people I, I heard from a lot of people from around the world about it, um, especially after the Jazz Fest performance. I had people texting me from uh, or, or contacting me from like Ireland and uh, saying, Oh, that was a great show. They came out to see the festival and that was their favorite. You know, those things are really meaningful as far as other, other, you know, it was great to see a lot of artists being out. I thought the jazz festival went really well this year. I mean, a lot of people told us it was, and I don't know if it's the feelings around getting the first festival going. I think I, I think I mentioned, I, I don't think I actually don't think I mentioned that I'm on the programming committee. So it was like, you know, it's really heartwarming to hear people talk about the positives aspects of the festival. And it, it was, I don't know, it's because we haven't had one since 2019, but um, people were really, really excited about that. And we had, we had packed crowds every day and the bands were all fantastic. And a lot, a lot of my colleagues put out some great work this year. Uh, Ethan Fillion, who's a great young bassist, has this new Mingus project. He's an Oberlin grad. Um, That was one of my favorite projects from Chicago this year. Um, and, um, and then, uh, um, uh, uh, and then, um, getting Vinology out doing that. Um, I, I'm now, uh, the new director of, of the jazz ensembles at, at University of Chicago. I was appointed that position in September. Um, and that was really, that's been really nice to work with the kids there, the students there. And then, uh, um, uh, uh, the Chico doing the work with Chico Freeman this year was really incredible. Chico's legacy project that we did in June at the Logan Center was really a special project. I mean, he, we spent a year on that. I mean, he spent a year writing the music, but we worked together to get the grant. We, you know, we started in the summer of 21. So we're just, just getting our, you know, the vaccinations going. And he like contacts me. He's like, I've got to get this grant because I have this idea. And we got the grant and he, he and his arranger, John Kordeluski, um, really, kick butt on getting their, uh, his music orchestrated, Chico's music orchestrated. And then having that performance was really meaningful to have all these great Chicago musicians. It was 19 pieces. And then Chico came back and we did a quintet at the showcase. That was nuts. It was like so good. <laughs> like it got actually was the Chicago Tribune called it the ba- the band of the year for jazz in 22. So um, that was really special. So, and then I had, you know, I, I had a lot of press this year. So for me, it was a really nice year. It was great to see, um, 
you know, uh, musicians like Greg Ward, alto saxophone is getting a lot of attention. Micaiah McCraven's got a new album out that came out in the fall. Uh, Kurt Elling's doing really great work with his his latest project. So there's a lot of great jazz coming out of Chicago. So um, I think the scene is doing 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 really well, and it was really great to see this year. Yeah, I um, the Jazz Fest was uh, one of my highlights, if not my musical highlight uh, total. Uh, I, I know I told you this, Gabby's never heard me on, on this subject. I am so rooted in the past and, uh, this is the year I'm okay. I'm going to start listening to contemporary, uh, jazz. And so, uh, I know I'm a little embarrassed to admit this, uh, but this is the year I discovered, uh, the great jazz pianist, uh, Christian Sands. I'm going to listen to him like crazy. Uh, but mostly I, I'm telling you, man, I'm still in the seventies. So like, I'll listen to Grant Green. I mean, I'm going to listen to Donald Byrd. I can't stop listening to Donald Byrd albums from the seventies. Yeah. Uh, and George Freeman, you know, uh, a great seventies stuff. And so I think this year I made a positive, uh, movement out of, no, no. I, wait, what am I thinking about? Do you know my most number one listen to record? Uh, I'm a little embarrassed to admit when I when I do the dishes, I can't stop listening to it. Uh, and it's the 50th anniversary. I told you this before we went on the air, Mike. Uh, Talking book by Stevie Wonder. There's something about that album. It gets better and better uh, uh, every year for me. And so, Gabby, I don't know if you know that album. I, if you do, I urge you to listen to it. Uh, 50th year. I, I mean, I can't believe it's been 50 years. Yeah, uh, I know. Stevie Wonder did that. A lot, a lot of stuff, you know. Yeah, now it's got fifty plus <laughs> anniversaries on them. It's kind of weird. <laughs> so, so now I'm going to do a cranky old man before we kick into the last song. Crank, this is cranky old man. I'm going to get your feelings on this one, okay? Well, it's a Ben's Roscoe, so there's always got to be a little edge to it. Uh, so, okay, here we go, cranky old man. So I went to, uh, I told you this, uh, my wife and a friend of ours, we went to uh, Martyrs on a weekend, and we saw the great Maurice Brown, a trumpet player, and he had this ensemble of great Chicago performers. It was sort of like, I'm coming home to Chicago, it's Christmas time. Uh, he, he was more like the MC, the, the master of ceremonies, bringing on all these great players. It was a wonderful, wonderful music. Totally enjoyed it. Uh, the audience. I'm, I'm just going to put this out there. Folks, if you go to a club to watch music, particularly great jazz music, you're not there to talk to your friends. You're not there to pick each other up. You're not there to continually walk in and out of the club. I don't know what the hell you got to walk in and out of the club so many times for. If you don't want to go into the club, stay on the sidewalk. If you want to come into the club, don't go back to the sidewalk. Go back to the sidewalk when the show is over. I told you it's going to be a cranky old man, Gabby. These people kept walking in and out. And then, so they had this incredible guitar player, uh, Isaiah Sharkey. This is a young, talented, seriously gifted guitar player. And so mostly it was kind of loud music. Uh, so it overwhelmed the talking. Isaiah Sharkey did this really delicate solo, Mike, that was like really quiet. You know, you had to listen to it. And the dimwits in this crowd thought, oh, the music's turned down. That means I can talk. And I'm like, (laughs) 
Are you kidding me? This is like an incredible moment. This guy's playing the guitar. He's so talented. I can't hear him, but I am hearing you talk about whatever stupid stuff you're talking about. Anyway, that's, I had a vent. I had to do it. I know it's Christmas day. I should have vent. Go ahead. We, we know that musicians have been talking about that. There's been a kind of a shift since the pandemic where crowds are getting a little unruly with the talking and even the staff at the Green Mill have told me that they've been struggling to get people to be quiet. And like people are like fighting back against the staff to be able to talk. Ugh. Like there's this sense of entitlement going on. And the, what, what we can't understand is you paid 15 or $20 to see this band. Why are you talking? <laughs> Go somewhere else where you don't have to spend 20 bucks to talk. <laughs> you know, it's like there's plenty of other places to go. Yeah, it's something that... Um, it's been a bit of a struggle, especially just as you mentioned on during the ballads. It's like, you know what, you know what else I've seen people videoing the show, right? So they put the show on the video. So they're watching through their camera. And then after they video it, they watch their camera, what they just videoed while the band is playing. <laughs> I had a woman do that right in front of me at the green mill. And I, and I could hear her phone while we were playing. <laughs> Yeah, no, I um oh my God, it's really yeah. kind of a some something's got 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 a little screw got loose or something. <laughs> I, I I um I don't I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't believe it's a, it's not nearly that bad at the jazz fest. I think people are more attentive. Uh my wife told me a story after because after Saturday's show when I was like venting to her, uh, because this I I mean the sharky I really feel I missed that moment because these people were talking that uh, Isaiah Sharkey moment was like a very important moment in that concert where he really was playing something deep. And I missed it because everybody was talking. Uh, but she told me about this performance that she saw. And I think it was at the Vic. Don't quote me on that. I think it was at the Vic. And it was a performer, uh, Blood Orange, who uh, I wasn't at at this concert. Uh, and, and he was doing this real a similar thing, like a, a ballad. I, he was at the piano and really quiet, and people were talking. And she said he just stopped. He stopped playing. And he just sat there. And it took, I don't know, a minute or two minutes before people realized that he wasn't playing. And they stopped talking. And the crowd got quiet. And it was silent in the Vic. And then he started playing again. And I'm like, yeah, I wish Isaiah Sharkey had done that. But <laughs> what? I mean, I don't even know what these dimwits would have known. You know what I mean? They were so into their conversation. I know. It's it's sad. It's sad. It's something we got to deal with it some some. <laughs> All right. Enough old man ranting and railing. Uh, <laughs> <for the> moment. <laughs> uh, Gabby, you have any thoughts on this before we move on? I, I agree with everything you're saying. I was just in New York and the same stuff was happening. It was ridiculous. I was like ashamed of my own generation yeah well it's the younger generation that's doing it yeah more so i i definitely do believe uh, i don't want to go uh generational thing but i i do believe uh there was a millennia millennialistic flavor to the people doing most of the talking and yeah, yeah. no it's for sure i don't even yeah because everyone in that jazz department knows about respect and everyone in, like yeah. in that college is just like quiet when you're performing but like I get out of that little bubble and it's like, where am I going? Yeah. <laughs> Damn millennials. Uh, <laughs> damn those millennials. Uh, 
Uh, <laughs> uh, no, a lot of cool millennials. Uh, uh, I want to say, speak up for millennials, uh, including the the person producing this show, who would never talk at a jazz uh, no, show. No, no. DJ Nader, or any other that. show. <laughs> or any other show. Um, all right. So uh, uh, as a baby boomer, uh, when I heard uh, that uh, Gabby knew some Beatles songs, I said, well, you got to do uh, my favorite Beatles song of all time. Uh, and it's a perfect song, I think, uh, to usher out one year and bring in a new year because we're sort of doing that as well. Uh, so Gabby, why don't you tell folks what song you're going to sing and then take it away. Yeah, this is going to be In My Life by the Beatles. One of my favorite ones too. places I'll remember all my life though some have changed some for better not for better some have gone and some remain all these places have I still can recall some are dead and some are living in my life. I love them Thank you. 
Thank you very much for doing that old Beatles song for me. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate yeah. it. And uh, Mike, you as well. Uh, before you. we head out, uh, anything, Mike, any announcements you want to make about shows you got coming up or Gabby that uh, folks can see you in the Chicago oh, area? Yeah. Chicago um, <laughs> in the Chicago area well, next week. I'm oh, at yeah, Angelo's December 28th at 7 p.m. with Kenny Reichart, guitarist in town, not this guy. Um, <laughs> She's not working with me. She's working with somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that'll be happening. So Angelo's is at Montrose in near Sacramento. Yeah. Nice little piece of joint. Yeah. And then I'm going to Carnegie Hall next month, which will be really fun with the Overland Choir to do Nathaniel Dutt's Ordering of Moses. So if you're in New York, you could go to that. <laughs> that's uh, the 20th, I believe. 29th or 20th of January. Yeah, 20th. Wow, uh, that's Carnegie Hall, ladies and gentlemen. That's the Carnegie <laughs> Hall, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she that's got the Carnegie cool. Hall before me. I haven't been there yet. <laughs> uh, I've been there as a guest, but not as a performer. Yeah, I haven't uh, been to that stage yet. Uh, Mike, what about you? Um, I will be at... Uh, um, uh, uh, I'll be at the Geneva Resort for New Year's. <laughs> With Dan Trudell, we'll be doing a really nice, and Julie Woods, a great singer, saxophonist. Um, and then uh, uh, um, uh, next month, um, I'll be uh, um, uh, uh, back at um, University of Chicago with my, my uh, jazz ensemble. I'll be directing the jazz ensembles, and we have our concert on February 23rd, which is a Thursday. Um, we'll be doing the, the music of all Chicago composers from the 20s to today. Oh, well. so it'd be really fun. Damn, that sounds pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Well, I uh, appreciate you both uh, spending a little time with us. And mm -hmm. uh, so I want to thank you very much and wish you uh, the merriest of Christmas and the you happiest too. of New Year's. And Mike, I know all you'll definitely be back in the show next year talking about jazz scene in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And, and, yep. We got lots of stuff coming up <laughs> next year. So uh, thank you very much to both of you. And Thank you, uh, have a great Christmas, right? All right. You too. Thanks for having us. Thank you. All right. That's Gabby and Mike Alamana. Uh, and I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. Thank you.